Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us, that we would hear your word, and it would bear fruit in our lives all to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. So today we reach the final Sunday of the church year. So next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, begins the new year in the church calendar, which as I said at the beginning is the day that I like to say Happy New Year, and everybody looks at me like I'm, I've missed something. But today in the church year is the culmination of the year, when we are reminded, past, present, and future, that Jesus is the heavenly King and He has conquered. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end, as we affirm in the creed. It's the culmination of the whole year, and it's also the necessary starting point for the new year. Only when we know the end, the culmination Christ the King Sunday, only when we know the end and where all things are heading can we rightly understand the beginning and the middle. And so Christ the King Sunday is the culmination of the year, and it's the necessary starting point, it's the necessary foundation for beginning the new year in order to understand the rest of, that, of the new year of what's to come. So if we were to celebrate Christmas without recognizing Jesus as the heavenly King enthroned, surrounded by angels singing His praise, if we celebrate Christmas without recognizing who it is that's truly in the manger, we miss the whole point. We need to know the end, that's what Christ the King Sunday is, we need to know the end and then read the whole rest of it in light of the beginning. So there's a movie with um, the actor Bruce Willis called The Sixth Sense. Now I'll just tell you, spoiler alert, I'm about to totally ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it by this point, you probably don't care. But this is the movie with the famous line where the young boy says, I see dead people. So throughout the movie, there's this interaction between this young boy and Bruce Willis's character. And they talk and interact throughout the whole movie. And then at the climax of the entire film, you discover for the first time that Bruce Willis's character is himself dead. He's one of the dead people that the young boy sees throughout the whole movie. And up until that point, you had no idea that's what was going on. And so what people would do is they would immediately stop and rewatch the entire movie again with that new information in mind because it changes absolutely everything. And you're convinced it's wrong, and then you watch it again and you see that actually that does fit the story. And that is something of what we do in light of Christ the King Sunday. We're reminded each year of the end, of the culmination of all things, where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is King and Lord of all. Even God's enemies will bring him praise. And the end of history is also then the necessary starting point for understanding all that's gone before. So today is the end of the church year, and it's the starting point for the new year, because without understanding the truth of today, we can't truly understand anything else that happens. So this morning, we're going to look briefly about our fundamental theme, that Jesus is the King. And then we'll take a moment to just see how that truth impacts a couple things that we'll celebrate throughout the year, 
And then I want to look to some ways that we can live that out in our lives. So the essential message that Jesus is the king, how that impacts the rest of the year, and then also how that impacts our lives. So first, the essential message of today is that Jesus is the king of heaven. So as our reading from Colossians 1 tells us, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And as it describes Jesus in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation, in the heavenly vision of Revelation chapter 1, John writes this, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like the flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters." In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. So that is who Jesus is. And we've got to get that right. That is who Jesus is. He is the heavenly king. He is God incarnate. He is preeminent over all. He is the creator of all that has been created. Dazzling in appearance, face like the sun. He was dead, but even death could not defeat him. And he is alive and reigns forevermore. That is who Jesus is. But then using the sixth sense movie metaphor now that we've seen the end of the movie now that we know the truth about the identity of the main character we then re-watch it with that new understanding we reread the events of christmas we reread the events of jesus's earthly life we reread the events of the crucifixion realizing that the one doing those things is the exalted king of heaven in the flesh And so I want to draw your attention to two places in the events of the coming year that we need to keep this Jesus, King of Heaven identity in mind. Two events in the coming year that we will reread again, and in a sense relive, seeing them in, in them the truth of the identity of the one involved, that he is in fact the King of Heaven come in the flesh. And so the first event that I want us to just very briefly sort of recapture in our mind is that that king of heaven, that exalted king of heaven, Jesus, that king is the one in the manger. So when on that first Christmas and the angels appear to the shepherds, when that happens and the multitude of the heavenly host appears praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, when we read that again, those angels were doing the very thing they were created to do 
to glorify and declare the praises of God, who is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as the Son now comes among His people. And so the angels praise and declare at His birth that this child is that heavenly King. He's left His throne, but the angels can't help but follow Him and sing His praises. Because... To use author Fleming Rutledge's word, because royalty stooped. Royalty stooped to meet us. Majesty stooped to our level to become one of us. The king stooped to be the true Israelite who fulfills God's call, who defeats sin and death on the cross and rises victorious. Royalty stooped for us. That King of Heaven is the one in the manger. Second, another place that we see that is that that King of Heaven is the one hanging on the cross. So one of the essential themes in our reading from Luke 23 today is as one writer has put it, that Jesus, as the king, goes to the cross. He goes as the king that he is. They don't see it, we see it, but they didn't at the time. But he goes as the king. And the whole passage points again and again to Jesus' true identity as the king of heaven, even as he hangs on the cross. It is as the heavenly king, enthroned on high, that he is crucified. And so the the passage in Luke 23 that we read today, the passage is written specifically for people like us, specifically for people who know Jesus's identity, who, if you will, have been through Christ the King Sunday, and we know who he is. And then we, in reading it, are then pointed and nudged and directed to see these events through the lens of who we know Jesus truly is. So again, using the movie metaphor, we've arrived at Christ the King Sunday. We know the identity of the main character, so then we go back and we see again the events in a whole new light of that essential truth. This one crucified and falsely accused as a treasonous criminal is none other than the King of Heaven incarnate who does that for us. And as Jesus, the King of Heaven, as Jesus, enthroned in glory, hangs on the cross in torment, passers-by and even one of the others being executed with him taunt him. And one of their taunts is, if you are the King, save yourself. Save yourself and us, adds one of the criminals being crucified with him. If you are the king, save. And what happens? The other criminal turns to Jesus in faith. And he says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You are the king. Would you remember me? And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And so while none of the insulters see it, while they're too busy saying, if you're the king, save, 
Jesus does save someone. He does not save himself. He saves someone else by not saving himself. Even in the degradation and humiliation and pain, our heavenly king does save. Because that's who he is. And he wants to save you, too. He wants to be king in your life as well. He wants to save you and welcome you into his kingdom. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we submit to him as our heavenly king, he does save us too. So I want to give us a few ways that him being king of our lives looks like lived out. If we submit to him in faith and he is our king, what does that then look like lived out for us? And so the first is that we must receive him and acknowledge him as Lord and King. That's part of what we're called to do, what we must do. Interestingly, the early Christians typically did not talk about receiving Jesus in my heart. The way they talked about salvation was acknowledging Jesus as King. Submitting to him as Lord, receiving him, yes, and trusting in him. And we need to personally receive him in faith and follow him as Lord and King. And one of the hardest parts of that is recognizing that to do so means he is in charge and I am not. Following him as King, that's part of what that language gets at. Following him as King means we do things his way and not our own. So I know a priest who was teaching his young daughter to pray the Lord's Prayer, which is a very good practice for all of us parents to do. And there are some hard words in the traditional language of the Lord's Prayer for a two- or three-year-old to say. Things like, hallowed be thy name. That's a tough one to get out when you're just learning English. Well, the daughter had trouble with the word thy and so, just sort of naturally, she, used, she substituted in a word that she did know that sounded similar. My. So her prayer was, hallowed be my name, my kingdom come, my will be done. Now that's cute when a two or three year old says it, and I assure you it was. But the reality is that's the prayer we all want to pray. But the call to us on Christ the King Sunday is that He is King and we are not. And we follow Him and His way, not our own. Submitting to Him as King of our lives means that we follow what He says, not our own preferences and desires. So, for example, over the past few weeks, uh, we've looked at both uh, singleness in Christ and marriage in Christ and following Jesus as king means living out those relationships and our sexuality in his way not our own following him as king means worshiping faithfully so the angels continually surround the throne of God praising and because he is king we are called to worship faithfully as they do in the way that he desires so the Bible specifically tells us to gather without fail, to gather together to worship. So we don't worship because it makes our lives better. 
though it does. We don't worship because it makes us feel better, though it can. We don't worship because we like it, though we often can learn to love to worship. But we worship because He is worthy. We worship because He is our King. And following Jesus as our Heavenly King means worshiping faithfully in the way that He tells us to. As we move into celebrating Christmas, do our celebrations honor Him as King? So for some, I know that Christmas becomes an extra busy time, and so we make prayer and Bible study and even church attendance less important because of all the other things we have going on. We're busy, so those things take a back seat. But honoring Jesus as King of our lives means keeping Him the priority. In the midst of buying and receiving presents, does Jesus come first? I mean, the reality is, if we're honest, some Christians spend far more on Christmas presents and Christmas vacations than they ever give to the ministry of Jesus and his church. But honoring Jesus as king means putting Jesus first. It would also mean, as I heard a woman say recently, it would also mean submitting your Christmas list to the king. How does your Christmas list reflect Jesus as king of our lives instead of just our personal desires? So I was just talking with somebody this morning about the International Justice Mission, one of my favorite organizations. Give to them. It's worth it. Trust me. Give to them. Give to the Anglican Relief and Development Fund. Give to local ministries. Buy a cow for a family in the developing world to provide an ongoing income. Give something to your spouse or your parents or your children, friend, and co-worker that will help them grow closer to Jesus or point them towards Jesus. Give somebody a worship CD or a good quality devotional book. Use Christmas gifts as a way to point to Jesus the King, not to distract from Him and focus in on ourselves and our own desires. Invite others to hear about the King. You know that Christmas is the time all year when people are most receptive to a personal invitation to come to church. Of all the times of the year, Christmas is the number one that people are most receptive. Invite others to come and worship the King with you so that they too can experience the life-transforming life love of our King Jesus. So on this Christ the King Sunday, we look with hope and joy to the future, certainly. We look to the future when we will see Jesus in His glory on His eternal throne. We also prepare to then relive the church year as we follow our King through His life and death and resurrection for us. Remembering throughout that it is our heavenly King enthroned on high who has done this for us. And let us also learn to live in humble obedience to our King, acknowledging Him as King of our lives. Jesus, who has, as our reading from Colossians said, who has transferred us out of the domain of darkness and into His glorious kingdom.
Amen.